Testing, testing, one, two, three. The gospel is not easily heard. Most of what the preacher says goes in one ear and out the other. What sticks is what we want to hear and need to ignore so that we carry on comfortably and without much effort. William Willimon writes in The Intrusive Word, preaching to the unbaptized, that hearing the gospel is a miracle. He writes, The gospel is so odd, so against the grain of our natural inclinations and the infatuations of our culture, that nothing less than a miracle is required in order for there to be true hearing. Maybe this is why Jesus said, let anyone with ears to hear, listen. Even Jesus, the word made flesh, had to say, hey, listen up. But so important is our hearing in terms of salvation that Paul asked the believers in Rome a series of questions. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? King James's version reads, How shall they hear without a preacher? Our teachers would agree. They said to us as children, Put on your listening ears, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus, the word made flesh, has been called, and there will be testing, testing, testing. I'm Reverend Starlet Thomas, director of the Raceless Gospel Initiative at Good Faith Media and host of the Raceless Gospel podcast. The Lenten season reminds us of the testing of Jesus, and we want to be a faithful voice in your ear. It's a Lenten podcast series from us at Good Faith Media, with meditations to guide you during this 40-day journey. Episode 1, Testing the Water. One writer says, How many of us, even at Easter, give Christ's death and resurrection more attention than the weather? To observe Lent is to strike at the root of such complacency. Lent Literally, springtime is a time of preparation, a time to return to the desert where Jesus spent 40 trying days readying for his ministry. He allowed himself to be tested. And if we are serious about following him, we will do the same. At the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he is greeted by the devil. This is the welcome committee for those who would enter ministry. Fresh from the Jordan River, Jesus has gone down to be baptized and come up full of the Spirit. Baptism is an initiation, a rite of passage that involves a trip through the wilderness. For 40 days, the devil tests Jesus. Test number one. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Satan is calling into question Jesus' divinity. Satan wants Jesus to compromise his humanity. Jesus, you don't need to do this. You don't have to suffer and starve yourself like this. Salvation doesn't require all of this. Johannes Baptist Metz writes in Poverty of Spirit, Satan's temptation is an assault on God's self-renunciation, an enticement to strength, 
security, and spiritual abundance. For these things will obstruct God's saving approach to humanity in the dark robes of frailty and weakness. Satan tries to appeal to the divinity in Jesus, tempered with the gravity and grandeur of his humanity. You will be like God. That is Satan's slogan. And Satan wants the incarnation to be an empty show where God dresses up in human costume but doesn't really commit totally to the role. The devil wants to make the incarnation a piece of mythology, a divine puppet show. Satan says, while no one is looking, it'll just be between you and me, and I understand, because if I were you, I would. Satan is tempting Jesus to cheat on his humanity, to cut corners this one time to show Satan what he can do. But Paul says to the church at Philippi, though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Satan says, let's have a bake sale. Jesus responds, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Jesus one, Satan zero. But Satan not only tests the humanity of Jesus, Satan is also testing the water of baptism. Satan is poking at Jesus' flesh to see if Jesus has really died to self, to see if divinity will prematurely reveal itself. John the Baptist has proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Satan is preaching, live and let live. But Jesus is not lukewarm in his commitment to be like us. Jesus will need to go down like us. He will not skip this step. Though he has come down from heaven, baptism is not beneath him. He has not asked us to do something that he will not do. The devil is testing the water, because if Jesus cannot deny this craving for bread, how can he deny himself in order to die on the cross? If Jesus is unable to manage when his stomach growls, we will have no savior for which to cry out to for deliverance. If Jesus, like Esau, who sold his birthright because he could not manage his appetite, will work for the devil for food, then all is lost. If Jesus is not able to drown out the devil, then he will not be able to take the cup in the Garden of Gethsemane. But in baptism, Jesus has not gotten in over his head. Baptism is crucifixion practice. The wilderness is a training ground for the road that leads to Golgotha. The devil's voice is a soundtrack which will be on repeat for the remainder of his earthly ministry. Jesus is surrounded by people who questioned him and his authority. Who do you think you are? And who told you that you could do that? In baptism, Jesus gets up as a dead man walking. His days are numbered, and so are ours. Every day, our identity as baptized believers is being tested. And if this is not your experience, then I would test the water. Now hear me loud and clear for our next episode, Testing God. I'm Reverend Starlet Thomas. Learn more about the kingdom that is coming and the Raceless Gospel Initiative at goodfaithmedia.org.